there was a lot of pressure on all the NBA players to kneel for the national anthem and to wear the Black Lives Matter t-shirt. We had a team meeting early on and, and I said, fellas, I'm not gonna put that t-shirt on, I'm not gonna kneel. My name is Jonathan Isaac and this is my story. I'm an NBA player for the Orlando Magic, a national best-selling author, and the guy who decided to stand for the national anthem in the NBA bubble. I was born in Bronx, New York, um, and my childhood was much like everyone else who was born in Bronx, New York. A bit crazy, a bit chaotic, but everyone around me shared the same things. We weren't as well off as everybody else around the world, but um, you know, we were okay, and we had friends and fun and, and lots of cool experiences. Growing up, we loved basketball. Just, just as a sport in general, I loved it more so like as an art. I would remember watching you know, the guys play basketball on the television and just falling in love with the movements and the flow of the game. And we got to play a bit after school at the rec center with my dad and my brothers. My dad was huge when I was younger. He was always present, um, even though he had to work a tremendous amount, but he took us to school all the time and he always had us in church. And he was so big on character and integrity. And when I say my dad was strong, I would say my mom is three times stronger. Um, my mom was this the same kind of way and she would work two, sometimes three jobs just to make sure that we had everything that we needed. But she's just a rock. She's strong. She taught me about tenacity and being fierce and, and just getting things done because they have to be done. So one, one day we wake up. It's a bit later in the day, but it's, it's a frenetic day. My, my mom is, is upset. My mom and my dad are arguing and it's like, we're leaving, we're gone. And it turns into this packing frenzy and us being loaded into a car. And next thing you know, we're on a flight to, to, to Florida and not knowing what Florida was, to be honest with you, or where it was um, as a kid, it was, it was pretty traumatic in terms of just the, the quickness of how we left. And, and I understand that they had issues with their relationship and, and uh, it was just tough. I was 10 years old. Everything was just moving so fast and I'm having to try my best to acclimate to this new culture, to these different people who no longer look like me or from my perspective, share experiences with me. In that time, I developed a form of anxiety and fear around rejection and not wanting the, my peers to not like me or love me in any way. And again, not having my dad there as a sounding board. And now my mom is working even more overtime to make sure that we have everything that we need. It was just something that I started to formulate in my own head. How do I act? How do I get kids to like me? How do I fit in? It wasn't until middle school that I really started to pick up basketball and I got on a team for the first time, organized basketball, and I uh, started to play then. So when I first started to play, I would just, I was so clumsy, I was tall, I was skinny, and uh, uh, I was just really, really bad. And I got kicked off my first team with, with them not even telling me I got kicked off. They just stopped picking me up for practice. You know, th thinking back, there were so many days and nights that I would go to the park by myself and just dribble a basketball, have headphones on, and just say, I wanna be great and I would just work and work and work and work. Nobody would know where I was at and I was just at the park. And so there's, there's definitely a level of tenacity that goes into it and determination in needing to become great at anything. Making it to the NBA finally and being able to meet my teammates for the first time was every bit as horrifying as, <laughs> I don't know if most people would see it that way, but for me it was for sure. Getting there and obviously hearing my name called by the commissioner was awesome, it was fun. Um, but on the next day I was in Orlando, uh, you know, working out for the team already. And it was something that was very, very nerve wracking for me. As great as it was, still having those feelings in the background, still struggling with anxiety, still struggling with, if I don't play well, if I don't, some, if I don't do something right, then everything that I've worked so hard to gain in terms of acceptance and love from other people, I'm gonna lose. I was never at peace. I was never settled inside myself to love myself or think of myself in, 
or, or think of myself as anything great outside of basketball. Basketball is where all my value is founded. So I'm, I'm figuring out how to work all these things out um, you know, in, in my life of being in the NBA. And I, I'm getting onto an elevator one day. And this man stops me and says to me, I can tell you how to be great. And I said, tell me, how, tell me how I can be great. And he says, you have to know Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, man, I, I know Jesus. I'm a Christian. I grew up Christian, but I, I didn't know Christ in a tangible way. And so that moment ends. And then next thing you know, I continue to see this man all over the place, in the parking lot, at the elevator, leaving the building, coming into the building. And I'm like, what the heck? And he would always ask me, do you want to grab lunch? And I'm like, yeah, we'll grab lunch. Never. And then uh, I go to chapel service. So a chapel service in the NBA, you get like 60 minutes before the game, you go into chapel and one of my teammates invites me. I'm like, sure, I'll go to chapel. I go to chapel and the, the topic of the chapel is Luke 6:46, And it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? That's the verse. And I started to just, you know, reflect on myself and say, you know what, that's me. I grew up in church, uh, um, you know, I, I, I know God in some degree, but I don't care what he says about my life or how I'm supposed to live. And I felt like that, that verse was directed at me. And so I started to just say to myself, you know what, I'm going to find out if this thing is for real. Still this guy, the same guy that I met, he invited me to church with him. And he's like, you got to come to church with me. And I said, well, if you're cool, your pastor has to be cool. So we get to the church to introduce the pastor and it's him. And uh, I get home that night and I was thinking to myself, there's no way that all of this just happened by chance or by coincidence. And it was the first time in my life that I really felt seen, not, not just by him, but by God, that somebody was out there orchestrating all of this. And I felt a sense of peace and, and that somebody loved me outside of me. And that was something that I was searching for for so long. And so I was able to kind of take a step back and say, God, you are real. You really did show yourself to me and, and, and I want a relationship with you. And so I remember the, the stories from youth group and how you have to say, Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord of my life. And so I, I did that on my bedside that night and, and the rest is pretty much history. When I first got into the league, um, I, I was living my life. I was doing my thing, having fun and, and getting a chance to experience everything that I thought the, the, the world had to offer and, and, and everything that I wanted. And so uh, a part of being a rookie in the league is, is you know, there are things that you got to do. The guys that tell you, oh, go, you got to pick up all of our bags. You got to go pick up Chick-fil-A for the team. You got to go pick up donuts. And one of the things that I was commissioned to do was when we got to a new city, you know, I get a text, you know, grab some, grab some condoms and, 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 and go drop it off to a player. And it was something that I was, I was comfortable doing. It wasn't, it wasn't hard for me to do. Um, but as I started to um, want God to be first in my life, as I started to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, and my life started to change just overnight. And I started saying, you know what? I want to do right by God. And that was one of the things that I, that I had to confront. And so what I started to do is just examine myself and say, you know what? I'm going to delete phone numbers. I'm going to unfollow people on Instagram. I'm going to start to go down the list of my life and kind of get things in order. I, I would say definitely trying your best to adhere to, um, to, to really to just live Jesus being first in your life is inconvenient in the world, you know, and in any way, but especially being in the NBA where there is that culture of of, of access to excess and money and, and, and fame, um, it is hard to lead a life that is truly devoted to Christ. And and the response was, you know, about as much as you expected it to be. Guys were well, weirded out a little bit about, you know, this this new Jonathan. And I, I picked up the nickname Baby Jesus pretty early on. Uh, but I, I think it has definitely grown into something where they've come to respect the decisions that I've made and, and respect the man that I've become. Around that time, something got formulated called the NBA bubble. And there was a lot of pressure on all the NBA players to kneel for the national anthem and to wear the Black Lives Matter t-shirt. The shirt was just in your locker. We didn't have any other options. So I decided to just go out there without a shirt on, without a warm up on. You know, players and coaches and the 
entire organization had been talking about it for a few days before that. And we had a team meeting early on and, and guys said, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to kneel. And it turned into a team only meeting. And one of my teammates turned towards me and says, Jonathan, what are you going to do? And I said, fellas, I'm not going to put that t-shirt on. I'm not going to kneel. And, uh, you know, chaos broke out. And, oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy. You know, it's going to be everywhere. Um, but but I, I knew what I was standing for was dear to me. I knew I believed that the, the gospel was going to be the answer for the world, that all of us saying that we all fall short of God's glory and that if we're throwing stones at anybody else at a different color, at a different individual, we're throwing stones from a, from a glass house because we've done wrong too. We all in need of grace. And so uh, we get to that day and the night before I'm on the phone with my pastor talking to him, telling him, I don't know if you understand how crazy this is going to be. I'm going to be a coon. I'm going to be an Uncle Tom. Uh, I, had, I hadn't signed my contract extension yet. And so that was still up in the air. I didn't know what was going to happen with my career. Uh, but he said to me, you cannot stand for God and God not stand for you. And so we decided that night that I was going to stand. The next day, we get into the bubble. And as everybody else, you know, knees hit the ground, I was standing. Part of the reason why Black Lives Matter became so big is because of that name, the phrase Black Lives Matter. It's something that, that you know, is pretty co coherent to a lot of people and, and it's, it's easy to understand and, and most people support and believe. But again, it, it being hard to divorce it from the, the stance of the organization, the, 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 the rhetoric, the tone of the, the organization. And that was, for me, what, what made it uncomfortable was that what I felt was being spewed was divisiveness and one side against the other, one color against the other. And because we had this moment of the moral high ground because of what happened to George Floyd, we could then force everyone to do what we wanted them to do. And I would say my, my biggest, um, I would say gripe with them was that the only way to support black lives in that moment was to kneel for the national anthem and to wear a t-shirt. And that's where I was like, that's not the only way to support black lives. It would be one thing if it was a symbol and we're saying that, but it, it became an order. And, and that's where I, 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 I thought it went awry. Um, what I tried my best to do in that moment was just take a step back and think, what is the, the best way and the right way for me to respond as an individual? And so what I said to myself was, I cannot think of a better antidote for the times that we see other than the gospel. I see racism and, and all the other things that plague society as heart issues. And for me, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the thing that truly transforms hearts because it's transformed mine. And so I, I wanted to be an individual and say, you know what, this is what I believe and I respect you for your belief, but this is what I believe and I believe that I have the right and the, the need to say it. I do not regret any of the decisions and choices that I've made because I knew why I was doing it. I knew that it wasn't necessarily just about me, but about giving people courage and inspiration to stand on what they believe in as well. I, I've, I've enjoyed the, the man that I've grown to become and uh, to that point, a lot of it has been because of the decisions that I've been willing to make and, and to keep Jesus first in my life. And to even though some decisions could have had me, you know, be in more of the friend group or more along with the culture of the league, um, being able to stand for myself and, and stand with, um, you know, the word of God and, and in my relationship with Christ has benefited me greatly. And so um, that's what I want people to understand is that as we look out into this world and we see what's wrong with it, we see all the people who are doing something you know, wrong that we, we say we don't do or we feel that we haven't done or whatever, um, that the way that we're going to win the world is through love. It's not going to it's not going to win just on dunking on them with facts, um, even though you know facts are important, but ultimately loving people where they're at the same way God has done with us and helping us usher into um, where we can be. Hey y'all, thank you so much for watching this video. If you love the video like I know you did, please consider making a tax deductible donation to PragerU to keep these videos coming.